Okay, so today's daf is Pevav in Masechet Eruvin. We are on Pe uh, Hey Amud Bet at the bottom, uh, where it says Rabbi Uda Omer Im Yesham Tfisat Yad. So it spoke about how the um, how if the owner of the place, the landlord, basically has some control over these uh, apartments or over these houses, so then. The people living there are not considered to be separate uh, residents, and they will not create an obligation of erovei chatzerot there. So it says echidamet fisat yad. So what's considered fisat yad? What's considered to have, to be a uh, maintaining a certain control over the property? So it says kigon chatzerot shel bonyas ben bonyas. What is a uh, he says there, Shel Ben Bonyas, according to the Bach. Okay. So the point is that there was a certain wealthy guy that he owned a lot of different places, but he would keep uh, items in there. He, said, he says, Ashirava. He was very wealthy. He would let people live in the various houses. I don't know if that means it's a mashil. sounds like it means that he would let them stay for free. But, So he had a lot of things there that he kept in the house, and he would say, You could stay there. But it's like a, maybe it's a free Airbnb. It doesn't sound like he charged money. It's not so clear. But the idea is that um, since he kept it as a sort of a storage for himself, so he maintains certain rights. So he's considered the balabite of all of them, even though they're different residents. They're just his guests. Okay? So now, so it says now, So what, what are we missing in this, uh, uh, in this piece here? Something is missing. Um... It looks like a word is missing. What is it? So yeah, ki atal rabbi. Right. So it's talking about bunyas ben the same guy, this ben bunyas guy. So when he came in front of rabbi amalo, oh, because really, um, really, what the previous sentence should have said was kigo. That's why the bach changes it, I guess. Kigon chatzirochel ben bunyas. That was his name. And then it says ben bunyas ki atal rabbi. Right. So it's, it's missing words. Yeah. So when he would come in front of rabbi amalo, he would say ben me'amane. You should, everybody should move out of the way for a person who has a hundred money. In other words, there's a rich guy here. Move over and give him a place to sit down, right? At least they, at least they were honest about it back then. Now they pretend that they only like him because he's a nice guy. He didn't, he didn't lie. He said the rich guy came, move over. Now, of course, Rebi was one of the richest people in the world at that time. So he, had, he knew what, uh, you know, he knew. Another person came. Amalui said to them, Here's somebody who has 200 money, meaning he's even bigger. So make him even a more, uh, a more distinguished uh, place. But Amalui, so Rabbi Shmuel Rabbi Yossi said, Rabbi, Aviv Shazay Yeslo Elef Srinod Bayam, Okinegdan, Elef Ayerod Bayabasha. Do you know the father of this guy, Ben Bonyasa, just came in? His father has a thousand boats on the sea, meaning trade, he's a merchant, and also a thousand cities on land, meaning that. Uh, uh, that uh, he's much wealthier. The first guy that you said is only uh, is the second level guy. He's actually is way above the way above the second guy. So Amalo uh, Rabbi said, "When you when you see his father, don't send him with bad clothes in front of me." I mean, he was wearing very you know clothes that were uh, not impressive. So then, uh, so when they saw him, uh, they thought, "Okay, he's." middle class. They didn't think he was a super upper class because he didn't dress the part. So next time, send him wearing fancier clothes. And it, exactly. Whatever, whatever it was in that time. You know, Gucci. I don't know. Rabbi would honor the wealthy. Rabbi Akiva would also Rabbi Akiva would honor the wealthy. They recognized the, that uh, these people had accomplished something in their life, and they, they you know, they were, they had the opportunity, they had the privilege of being able to do a lot of mitzvot. Like Rav Barmari said, then this pasuk um, they're going to interpret. It says 
that the world is, is uh, settled before Hashem, chesed ve'emet, kindness and truth, man yinsruhu. So Rashi explains that man yinsruhu, it means that mizonot, that they sustain kindness and truth, okay? The people who establish, who, who are able to do that, okay? When is the world settled in front of Hashem? When, only when, only when they are able to uh, sustain people with kindness and truth, um, but there's kindness and truth because they're able to provide uh, sustenance for everyone. So Rashi says, That's when they're wealthy people, who, who are kind, that they're the ones who are the uh, guardians of the kindness and truth because they take care of the needs of the poor, and so therefore they honored the wealthy. So it's saying they didn't honor the wealthy because they wanted something from it. They honored the wealthy because they saw them as people who took care of the poor and kept the society running. What do we mean with that, that the land, um, the landlord basically keeps things in this apartment and therefore he keeps certain rights to the apartment? Like, like the, this is a part of the plow, this large piece of the plow. He would keep, but it's mukta, obviously. So meaning it's not something that's going to be, uh, that's going to be moved around on Shabbat. It's something that you're going to leave there. And therefore, when the person's there, they remember that that place belongs to you. That Rav Nachman said that in the Yeshiva of Shmuel, they said that if it's an item that can be moved on Shabbat, since it could be removed, uh, Rashi says, because the, the, let's say the tenant wants to pretend that this is really his house. He'll be able to move that stuff out of the house on Shabbat and invite people over and have a, a Shabbat meal and say, look at my beautiful house and remove all of the signs that it really belongs to someone else. Right, but if it's something Muktzen, he won't be able to do that. So then really there's Tfisat, yeah, then really the landlord has demonstrated that that place belongs to him, even though there's something temporary, someone temporarily occupying it. Tanya um, Namiachi, similarly, we learned in a Braita that Yesh lo Tevel, Yesh lo Asheshit, Vechol Tal Shabbat, and also if there's Tevel, if there's produce that is not yet tithed, or if there's some kind of a, a lamp, you know, Asheshit, a type of a, a lamp. Anything which is not able to be moved around on Shabbat, if the landlord leaves it in, or Rashi says, Ashishiot means Ashil Barzil. It's talking about the big pieces of, um, of metal. The point is that things that are, um, that are, uh, so they can't be moved on Shabbat. So therefore, uh, the, the tenant is, you know, it's clear that the person who owns the place is reserving the rights to that place because he's put things in there that the tenant cannot use or that the guest cannot use or move. On Shabbat, and therefore that that guest is not considered a separate force. The point is that when you have multiple uh, multiple residents and one and and in a chazer, they have to make an erovei chazerot. And if one of them opts out or doesn't participate, it messes it up for everyone. These people who are staying in a place that really belongs to somebody else, where the person has tfisat yad, where the person really demonstrates their ownership of all these places by leaving storage in those places, so then they're not really considered separate entities, so they wouldn't have to join with the Eruvei Chatzerot, and if they didn't, they wouldn't ruin the Eruvei Chatzerot. This is one of the, one of the reasons, that one of the Hetzerim, I remember one of the leniencies that Rav Moshe Feinstein uh, wrote that why hotel you might not need Erovei Chatzerot even though many people make it but uh, they make it anyway but he gave a leniency because he said they have the mini bar that they keep in every room you know that if you open it and you take a chocolate bar it costs you $50 you know or, you know the, the thing <laughs> right so they they uh, they have in every room a mini bar so it says that's like Tfisat Yad of the 
of the owner of the hotel because you're not allowed to take that out of there and you know it has to stay. But since you can move it, it's saying it has to be something muktzeh. You can't move, so that the mini bar maybe is better because you can't unplug and move it because it's that fridge, you know. But maybe the smichot you could move it. No, on the fridge itself. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, something that's muktzeh has to be. It's saying. What? That the muktzeh is the thing that is. The other person to I don't know. What Rashi is saying that it's that way. That the Muktzeh is the one that uh, that uh, it makes it more tefisatia because you can't move it. Are you said it's a perush that says the opposite. No, I thought, I, I, it, it sounded like it was the opposite. No, because he's saying Meaning, the guy living there <coughs> won't be oser on the eruv because he uh, because he's living under someone else's auspices. Is what it means. That it, because no oser because the the thing is when there's tfisat out of somebody else the person living there is not oser on the other people because he's considered just a guest of the, the the original guy he doesn't have to be part of the eruv. Now the mishnah says we actually saw this mishnah quoted earlier in the gemara um, about uh, half the masechet ago so you probably remember because it, actually it was it was according to the side it was mentioned twice so it's, it wasn't that long ago. So, if a person goes to spend Shabbat in another city, says that even if one Shabbat you don't happen to be in that Chatzir, since you live there, and there's always the possibility that you might return on Shabbat, so if you didn't participate in the Eruv or they didn't rent the space from the non Jew, he will still create an Eruv problem for them according to Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Yudah says if you're not there, it doesn't count. Out of sight, out of mind. It only goes by whoever's actually present. We don't care who owns these properties. Rabbi Yossi says I'll make you a, uh, par- uh, I'll, I'll make a compromise. Okay? If it's a Jew and he's away for Shabbat, right? he's not coming back because it's Shabbat. Because the, the Jew is not going to come back on Shabbat itself, we assume. If he's away for Shabbat, he's away for Shabbat. The non-Jew, you don't know where he went. He went to the beach in the morning, he comes back in the afternoon. So, he, so if you didn't rent from him his space and he's going to show up on Shabbat, so therefore if he lives there, even if he's away, you don't know if he'll come back. A Jew who goes away for Shabbat, you assume he's not going to come back. Rabbi Shimon says, Rabbi Shimon is the most lenient. He says, even if the guy just went to his daughter, house who lives in the same town still once he's out once he's out for Shabbat he's not thinking I'm going to go home and that's usually true even if you go to someone someone for Shabbat you don't think of going back home until after Shabbat unless it's exceptional circumstance so therefore Rabbi Shimon says even a Jew even if he's nearby but he's staying somewhere else for Shabbat you don't have to take his presence into account in the Chatzir because he's not actually present Rabbi Shimon says the Halacha follows Rabbi Shimon here and um uh, and there's an interesting uh, observation the Gemara makes. It says, Vidavka Bito is only talking about if you went to stay with your daughter on Shabbat. It's right, mentions Bito in the Mishnah. But if you go stay with your son, it's not true because Damri and because people say, Nabachbach Kalba, if a dog bites you, right, uh, then uh, it says, Oh, you can, you go up, right? You, meaning you can, you'll stay. But Nabachbach Guryata Puk. But if a if a young lie if a lioness bites you or barks at you, right, then then get out. What does it mean? It means if you go to your daughter's house and the son-in-law gives you a hard time, that's ah, okay. The son-in-law is nothing, you know. Nothing. But this, but the daughter-in-law, oy vavoy lecha. 
Right? If the daughter-in-law gives you a hard time, get out. Meaning, so if you go to your son's house for Shabbat, you don't know, you might end up on the street by the next day and walking back home. So therefore, you might come back. That's why he mentions Bito. If you go to your daughter's house, usually the daughter will make peace with it. It will say to the son-in-law, you know, chill out and this, she'll, she'll keep peace. But the son might side with his wife and then before you know it, you need another place to stay. So... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's, so that's, that's an interesting saying. In any case, and again, these are some Mishnah that we've come across before in one form or another. So you have a, a cistern that contains water between two chatzirot in Malin Ber Shabbat El Imkena Sulom Machitza Gavah Sat Fachim. So you have to make a a machitza separating this cistern because half of it is uh, belongs to one side, half of it belongs to the other. So you make a wall through this uh, body of water so that the people on one side can draw water from it. People on the other side can be milimata. Um, and, and that's true whether it's uh, underneath, whether it's inside the lip of it. So we're going to see um, exactly what means. means that it's inside the airspace of the container, but it doesn't touch the water. She says, even though it doesn't touch the water. Okay, but it's inside the lip of the uh, of the cistern. We'll see more about what exactly milimata means. The Gemara is going to talk about it a lot. Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel Omer Beit Shammai Omim Milimata O Beit Hillel Omim Milimala. Beit Shammai says below and Beit Hillel says above, and we don't know exactly what that means yet. Amar Biyuda Lotei Mechitzak Dolam in a Kotoshe Benehem. Rabbi Yehuda says, I don't understand why you need a Mechitza. You have the wall that already passes through the Chatzerot. In other words, he's saying that. That since you already have a wall that goes across, and we're, we're assuming that there's a wall already, basically that this cistern, because we're talking about two chatserot that are not like we saw before, that, that this water, body of water is in, a, in an alleyway between two chatserot. We're saying that the wall, they share a wall, the two chatserot, and that this wall runs over the cistern. So half of it's on one side, half of it's on the other side. What else do you need? Why do you need something else? You already have a wall. Now, obviously, if there is a body of water, the body of water is underneath. So it's like there's a whole, there's, there's a depression in the wall. The wall goes along the, goes along the ground. And then at a certain point, there is a, like a dip in the ground, which is the cistern. You still have the wall running along, but half of the cistern is on one side of the wall and half is on the other side of the wall. What else do you need, Rabbi Yehuda saying? You already have a wall separating the two sides, right? That it's not like we saw before where the cistern is in between the two chatserot. This one is like literally under the wall of the chatserot. So what more? Right, there's the, look, the see, is not that's the, the rabbis were talking. See how it goes on both sides? The water is on either side of the wall. What's so the depth of the water? It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So, but, but the thing is that here, here you're talking about, um, that's the whole question. In other words, Rabbi Yudas saying, what more do you need than that? You already have a wall. They're saying, no, you need to put an additional thing in to divide the water. Milimata, milimala. We'll see what exactly that means. Milimata, milimala in a second. But the, well, what do you need it for, Rabbi Yudas says? You already have a division like a wall going straight across. So the Gemara will discuss this. Um, as we move along. They can, they can use the water, the water. Yeah, they can use the water. That's what, that's the whole idea. They want to be able to use it. That's the whole thing. So that's the concern. So the, you know, so there's, it's a leniency that they allowed them to use the same water because water is very essential to life, but they wanted it to show that they're still separate, you know. So now Gemara says, so he says, Lemala and Lemata is reference to the hole, not a reference to the water. In other words, what's the difference? In other words, the hole, let's say the first uh, half of a foot, I don't know, the first six inches is just wall of the, of the hole. And then the water starts, right? 
The water starts below. So, milemala and milemata is re- a reference to the hole, not a reference to the water. So, when, re- when, when Betilil says milemala, there's where you can put the wall. It means even over water. the hole. Not, yeah, it doesn't have to be touching the water. And when, when Beit Shammai says milemata, it means inside the hole, but also doesn't mention touching the water. Not necessarily touching the water. As she says, Samuch Lavaim, Ventachir Shekarim Ligabamaim, Lemala de Kamre Betile, Lemala Mamash, as she says, Samuch Misfatomi Lemala, Im Yurzedayobekach, as she says that you can put the, this divider even on the, at, at the top of the hole in the ground. It doesn't have to be anywhere near the water, actually. And what the, the and, but Bet Shamai say, there has to be inside a little bit, right? Right, it has to be inside the walls of the um, of the uh, hole, but it has to be. It doesn't have to be anywhere near the water, according to according to that. Now, um, that's according to Rav Hunaf. Rav Yehuda Amar lemata lemata menamayim. Lemala lemala minamaim. That it's re- it's a relative not to the hole, but relative to the water. In other words, it has that when when Beit Shammai said it has to be lemata, they mean in the water. And when when uh, when Beit Tilel says above, it means above the water, meaning right above the actual water, right? And then and Rashi says lemala minamaim means ubeham mekili she'en kanim tzichin bamai. In other words, it, it doesn't have to touch. The, according to this interpretation, the chidush of Beit Hillel is not that the, that the partition doesn't have to go near the water inside the hole. The chidush is it doesn't have to actually touch the water. But it has to be right there, right above the water. And Beit, Beit Shammai says it has to go into the water. Okay, so according to Rav Huna, you don't even have to go anywhere near the water. The partition is either on top or it's, you know, it's in the airspace of the hole, but it doesn't have to touch the water. According to, um, according to the way that Rav Yudah has it, what Beit Shammai holds, according to Rav Huna, is what Beit Hillel holds, according to Rav Yudah, meaning that it has to be inside the hole, but not touching the water, versus Beit Shammai who says it has to be in the water. They, I'm sure they have a picture of it um, to make it clearer in the back, but it's, uh, you know, it, it, the, the basic argument, I have a picture there? Yeah, the basic argument, to put it in very, very simple terms, right, is it a division of the hole or a division of the water? That's, that's really what they're arguing about. Is it supposed to divide the water or divide the hole? So, yeah, here we go. So according to the first interpretation, Beit Hillel says the partition could be all the way up here where there's still dirt, there's no water. There's a nice colored picture here. And Beit Shammai says it has to be lower at the point of the water, right? Rav Yehuda says that this is Beit Hillel, which is, was, was the Beit Shammai of, of above, right? This is Beit Hillel that has to touch the water. Beit Shammai says it has to be in the water, okay? That's the, that's, so the question is, are we dividing the water or are we dividing the, the pit? Now, the Gemara says, what difference does it make saying lemata means that the, that the partition has to go into the water? You're saying that it has to go into the water. Why? Because if it doesn't actually go into the water, then water is actually coming right under the partition. So what good is it? Yeah, but even if you put the partition in the water, it's still going to go. It doesn't, it doesn't seal off. The, the, the water from traveling around it and under it. So it says, ah, the answer is, Didn't you hear what Rav Yehuda said in the name of Rav and some attributed to Rav Yehuda that the tops of the, um, of the, uh, of the sticks 
have to appear above the water, a tefach. In other words, the idea is that there has to be a division that is... Um, out. Right, that you see that there's something that sticks out, and, and that's that he shows it here, right? That there's something that it sticks out. It's so you could see that there's something in the water. In other words, if you put the mechita all the way in the water, it's submerged. So then it's just going right over the divider anyway. What's the difference? Right, it comes on the sides, goes over it. This way, it sticks out a little bit. You see that there's a division there. It doesn't block the water, right? It's not going to block the water like uh, make it watertight, but it does prevent it. It does make you see exactly where the division is. That's the point, according to Beit Shammai. And similarly, they're going to ask, um, according to the Beit Hillel's version, that it means that uh, Rav Yehuda's interpretation of Beit Hillel, that it has to be touching the water. So, He didn't want to accept Rav Huna's interpretation that you could put the board all the way at the, the lip of the hole. Why not? Because uh, the water is going to be, has to be divided. Yeah, but if the, even if the partition touches, comes up to the water, it's also not dividing the water. Really, the water is all together. It's all mixed. So he says, ah, the answer is, that uh, there too, Amar Leila Shemiyala Chadetani Yaakov Karchina. Didn't you hear what, what Yaakov Karchina, the bold Yaakov, said? That the, that the these partitions have to enter into the water of Tefach. In other words, his version of Beit Shammai is that Beit Shammai has the the partitions are at the bottom of the pit in the water, but they protrude up a little bit. And Beit Hillel is that most of the partition is above the water, but it goes into the water a little bit. So they both have that the partition have to touch the water. They're just arguing to what extent it has to touch the water. What about what Rav Yehuda said that a, if you have a, pill, a, a board that is four tfachim wide, it can allow you to carry in a ruin. You can carry under it because it says if, you imagine as if that board from this ruin, what the remains of this ruin has like a one, let's say, ceiling panel that's you know, still there that uh, you can imagine as if it seals off the area and you can carry under there. Similarly, he said that uh, if you have a board over water, it also allows you to carry under that board because we see it as if that four tefach board creates a kind of an enclosure as if the ends of it are coming down and closing off the area. But wait a second, how does that work? Because just like, in other words, we're not really concerned about the chubah right now. We're not really concerned about the ruin. We're more concerned about the water. He said that you can have a board that, that, is, that hovers over the, uh, the water. It doesn't have to go into it. Like we've been talking about a vertical board. Talking about a horizontal board that creates a partition but the problem is that, that I can go and take water from my side or even under that board but what if I go to the other side? The other side I'm not allowed to go to. Right? Because so, Rashi says We're talking about, again, that it's um, it's a uh, it's a, um, it's impossible right, to it's, control the right, you can't, you can't, right, exactly. You're not going to be able to control the flow of the water. So you have this board going over the, going across now over the, over the uh, water instead of into it, right? So as she says, the thing is that 
If he's drawing water, he's going to end up drawing water also from his friend's side. What, what good is it going to do that you have this uh, thing hovering over? What, what good is it going to do? So he says, the answer is, People don't, I'm sorry, we have, an, we have an assumption that a person doesn't stretch out that far into the cistern to take water more than four tfachim. So as long as there's only four tfachim on his side, he's going to take from his side. He's not going to go grab water from the other side. Okay, but what about the fact that right under that board, right under that board, really is water from both sides? What if he takes from right under that board? The answer is because there's a leniency with regard to water in general. And according to this, according to the way Rashi reads it, not all the Rishonim read it this way, the way Rashi interprets this is that we're rejecting what Rav Yehuda said. That because of the fact, based on this halacha, that you see that even a symbolic division that is suspended in the air over the cistern and goes across it, we can say that's like a mechitza that descends down. You see, it doesn't have to touch the water at all. It's just symbolic. And the rabbis made a leniency regarding water to allow people to draw the water from there. And therefore we conclude that Rav Huna was right about his interpretation of Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai. Nobody thinks that the partition actually has to be in the water or touch the water because you see that even a board going across the water is good enough to say that's a division. And even though you might take what's under that actual division, what's under that, the airspace of that division that's supposed to be the neutral area, it's okay. Even though you know you're taking water that's all mixed together with the other guys, with the water of the other chatzir, it's also okay. Because we, it's all symbolic just to make clear that there's a distinction between the two chatzirot. But in reality, we want to be lenient about people's use of water on Shabbat. Like uh, Rabbi Tavla, we saw this also. Um, and in, we saw it earlier um, in, uh, in this Masechet and also in Masechet Shabbat, that if you have a mechitza tluya, you hang a mechitza, meaning the mechitza is suspended from above, but it doesn't reach the ground. Okay, it doesn't reach the ground. So and it, is that enough to allow somebody to carry in a ruin, meaning in an area that doesn't, that you would imagine like these old ruins of uh, these Roman uh, you know, let's say in Kesaria or something like that, wherever you, you know, when you go to, uh, or Bechan, I think is, they have the, they have the, uh, the ruins, right? That the, if, if you go and you see that, that they have like, let's say, half a wall, like the upper half of the wall is still there, but the bottom is, is, is gone. It just, has, it just has pillars holding up like what remains of the wall. So that is what it means, It doesn't mean floating in the air. It means that the bottom part is gone. All that you have is the upper part. So he said, is mechitza tluya enough? And he said, no, amale, en mechitza tluya materet, ela b'may. Kalu shekilu chem b'mayim. The rabbis only allowed mechitza tluya, they only allowed a mechitza that doesn't reach the ground for water. Meaning, a mechitza tluya, floating mechitza, so to speak. Because they wanted to allow the drawing of water on Shabbat in the most lenient way possible, so they suspended a lot of the rabbinic rules about water. Because really it's all rabbinic anyway. The chatzerot for sure is rabbinic, and even, even a, a body of water is usually a karmelit anyway. So they're not so worried about that really from a biblical standpoint, only from the rabbinical standpoint. They wanted to allow people to draw water easily on Shabbat, but they wouldn't allow mechitzat tluya in any other case, because mechitzat tluya by definition doesn't actually prevent people from going in and out, because it's open on the bottom. So it's not really a good mechitzat. So for sukkah and stuff like that, we, our halacha, the halacha we have is that it's not good, although we're going to see it's a machloket, it's a machloket, it's a machloket, actually. So now, you should know that Rabbi Yehuda and the Mishnah, we're not talking about Rav Yehuda, Rav Yehuda also, Rav Yehuda actually was the opposite, Rav Yehuda was saying that the partitioning of the water actually has to touch the water or be in the water, according to Beit Shammai and Beit Rabbi Yehuda and the Mishnah, 
the Tana Rabbi Yehuda, not Rav Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda, said that there's already a wall of the Chatzar. What do you need anything in the cistern to divide it in half? There's already a wall. Right, the lessons in the Mishnah. True, it's suspended above the cistern. It's not in it. Who cares? You have a clear division. So I said, that's Rabbi Yossi's opinion. Because according to Rabbi Yossi, a floating mechitza or a hanging mechitza is good even on earth. Meaning, not just with water. This time we learned in the Mishnah, and this takes us back really to Masechet Sukkah, Halachot of Sukkah really. Right? It's a halachav Shabbat, Hilchot Shabbat in terms of Rashut Yachid, and also halachav Sukkah. If you hang walls from above to below, meaning let's say you had four poles, right? Or yet you had poles and you're, you're hanging the Sukkah walls from above, but you don't reach the ground. You don't have enough material to get to the ground. <clears throat> so in that case, says, if you do that, if there are three tvachim of space between the bottom of your wall and the ground, it's pasul, because a wall has to be resting on the ground. If you started on the bottom and you didn't reach the top, if it's ten tvachim high, it's good. Meaning if you, let's say, for example, have a frame of a sukkah, but the walls don't fit the sukkah all the way to the top. They, but they're ten tvachim high, but then there's a huge space between the end of the wall and the schach. Schach is resting on the frame of the sukkah. Let's forget about being metal or wood. I don't want to get into that, but just it's resting on the frame. But the walls themselves don't reach up to the frame, up to the top of the frame. So that's okay. But if it's the other way around, that the, the walls start at the point where the schach is, but they don't reach the floor, that's a problem. Right? He says there's no difference. Ten tvachim is ten tvachim. If you have a ten tvach wall, I don't care if the space is empty on the bottom. I don't care if the space is empty on the top. It's always good. Ten tvachim is ten tvachim according to Rabbi Yossi. And therefore, also with a mechitza in, in the case of the two chatserot, so what he's saying is, oh, that's, that's like Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yossi would say that this, this wall of the chatserot that's crossing over the cistern, it's as if it divides the cistern in half, even though it doesn't reach the cistern. It doesn't reach down. It's a fundamental difference. Yes, a fundamental when difference. people sit down, they don't have wall around them. Right, exactly. The top, they don't. It doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't prevent mind. entry. It doesn't prevent... Yeah. The whole question is, does a wall have to... Is a wall, right, does a wall just basically... Um, uh, 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 demarcate an area, right? It's just identifying an area, in which case it doesn't have to be right. So if that's true, or the, or the or the wall is a structure that needs to be resting on the ground, it's the structure itself. So if it's just demarcating an area, it wouldn't matter. But if it's a structure, in other words, he understands the halacha Moshe Misinai of ten tefachim as meaning that in order to demarcate an area, identify an area, like you need. Uh, that's all. It doesn't matter if it's a little bit high, a little bit low. It doesn't matter if it lets uh, raccoons come in. It doesn't matter. Okay? However, according to the other Chachamim, no, it's not that. It's a structure that creates a, it creates a structure of enclosure. Structure of enclosure is different. If it doesn't enclose, it doesn't work. Okay? Uh, we, we hold that it has to reach the ground. It has to reach the ground. Yeah. Now, up to the Tzachim is fine. Up to the is, yeah. It's considered nothing. Yeah, always, always. Yeah. Now, so now, but now they say, not necessarily does Rabbi Yehuda agree with Rabbi Yossi. It says, Veloi, 
Lo Rabbi Yehuda Sava Lak Rabbi Yosi. Lo Rabbi Yosi Sava Lak Rabbi Yehuda. It's possible that they wouldn't agree with each other on either case because Rabbi Yehuda Lo Sava Lak Rabbi Yosi. Rabbi Yehuda, who says that the walls of the Chatzerot can divide the cistern, might not agree with Rabbi Yosi in every other case because Ad Kan Lo Kamar Rabbi Yehuda Ela Beiru VeChatzerot DeRabanan. Aval Sukkah DeRaita Lo. Because Rabbi Yehuda will say, Look, I'm talking about a rabbinic issue of this cistern between two Chatzerot, where the Rabbi said that the Chatzerot have to unify with each other to use the same water, and they didn't do it. And and I'm saying we can be lenient. That doesn't mean a Deoraita. Of making a sukkah or reshut ayachid, I'm going to agree with you, right? And similarly, v'lo Rabbi Yosi sevala k'Rabbi Yehuda because I'd kind of come on Rabbi Yosi al besukkah the isur asehu of al Shabbat isur skilau lo amar, right? So he might have said that. Look, I'm lenient with regard to sukkah because it's an as it's a mitzvah aseh, positive mitzvah, right? So positive mitzvah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I find the leniency. But when it comes to Isurei Shabbat, even though this particular violation of Shabbat is only rabbinic, since it's in the laws of Shabbat, I to, I, maybe he'll agree that you have to be more strict. Right? Maybe you'll ask, what about the event that happened in Sipori? We're going to see what that is in a second. Who, according to whom was it done? Wasn't it done according to Rabbi Yossi? Right, Ela Alpi, Rabbi Ishmael, Rabbi Yossi Nasa. We're going to see the story in a second. This event that happened wasn't it according to Rabbi Yossi? No, because it was only according to Rabbi Ishmael, Rabbi Yossi. Now, what's the significance? Because according to this latter, we're saying now that maybe Rabbi Yossi would say, "I wouldn't apply my lenient view in Hilchot Shabbat. I wouldn't apply it to Rishut Hayachid. I would only apply it to Sukkah." Right? Maybe, maybe he would say that. But then this upcoming story that we're about to read couldn't have been according to his opinion because it applies the rule even in Hilchot Shabbat. And what's the story? So one time they forgot to bring a Sefer Torah to wherever they were praying on Shabbat. <coughs> so what do they do? They spread out sheets on pillars. So in other words, they made a makeshift kind of a wall from wherever they had the Sefer Torah. They extended it all the way to the place they were praying. And these sheets did not reach the ground. They weren't fully uh, extended all the way downward. And yet they still considered a mechitza. So the Gemara says, wait a second. You're telling me, who would allow them to make a mechitza on Shabbat? No, 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 they didn't do that. Everybody agrees that even a temporary wall you can't make on Shabbat. It means that they found something set up like that already and they just put it in place and they, uh, and they used it on Shabbat. But they didn't actually, um, they, it, it, they found it that way, but not that they actually set it up on Shabbat itself. The point is that they relied on mechitzot that were makeshift that didn't reach the ground, not that they set it up on Shabbat itself. All right, but the point is that that would seem to follow the rule that Rabbi Yossi is saying, that if a mechitzah that doesn't reach the ground could still be kosher. Okay? And that, and the, and that would go against the idea that, that we're trying to argue that maybe Rabbi Yossi would not apply his rule to the laws of Shabbat. So you see from, so we'll just say that this was Rabbi Ishmael, Rabbi Yossi, who took his son, Rabbi Ishmael, took his idea even further and said that not only does it apply to Sukkot, it also applies to Shabbat. Um, but again, even that, the Gemara is just saying maybe Rabbi Yossi doesn't apply his law to Shabbat for the sake of argument. Because it's saying you can't necessarily say he would agree with Rabbi Yehuda that the walls of the Chatzir extend all the way down, uh, that, that, when the, that the walls of, of the Chatzir count for the cistern. You can't necessarily say Rabbi Yossi would agree. Because maybe he's more strict about Shabbat. Maybe. And maybe his idea that you can have a gap on the bottom of a wall between the wall and the ground is only on Sukkah. 
and we'll say maybe Rabbi Yehuda wouldn't agree with Rabbi Yossi with regard to Sukkah. He only applies his rule when it's a Dirabanan. Maybe. So yeah, like one of the things that Ramchal says, Ramchal has a wonderful a book called Derch uh, Tivunot where he talks about how to properly learn Gemara. And one of the things he says is the most critical skill when you're learning Gemara is to know the difference between Dichya when really the Gemara is just pushing off the answer. In other words, sometimes the Gemara is just saying, you can't necessarily say that argument. That doesn't mean we're saying actually Rabbi Yossi distinguished between Halachot of Shabbat and Halachot of Sukkah. We're not saying actually Rabbi Yehuda disagreed with Rabbi Yossi. We're saying you can't be sure about it, and it's important to know what you know for sure and what you don't know for sure. You could say, yeah, probably they did agree, whatever, but that's already sloppy thinking. Right? Anybody who's a real serious researcher in any field will tell you that kind of thinking doesn't count. Oh, yeah, probably it works. You always have to take every poss- other possibility into account. Maybe they wouldn't agree on these cases. Maybe there's a reason to distinguish. And so the Gemara is saying maybe. And tell it, right, it's, so it's important to know when is the Gemara really saying, oh, definitely when the Gemara is saying maybe. Here it's saying maybe. You don't have to say that Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Yehuda would, uh, would agree. Because the truth is that it's a little bit difficult of a position to take. Rabbi Yossi would say because it's halachot of Shabbat, he's going to say it's sukkah, which is deoraita, is less strict than, than a halachah of Shabbat that's only derabanan. That's a big leap. But it's saying you could say that. It's possible. And since it's possible, we can't rule it out without having a proof. Yeah.